The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Feeling better at one and three than I thought I would feel, because for the first time in a while, there is a sliver. There's a gleam of hope, as Marty Schottenheimer would like to say. There's a gleam. So now let's get the gleam, as he would say, in week five against oh, the, like the famous that. NFL films thing when he was with the browns go look it up let's i don't like the phrase get the gleam that doesn't i I do r.i.p marty schottenheimer but you didn't come here for marty schottenheimer talk you came for jets talk so we'll get into that justin we got a really jam-packed show talking all of the zach wilson developments the dalvin cook developments but first i got a message for you folks our friends over draft kings and the message is this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jets fans, DraftKings is running a new promotion that you don't want to miss. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim 200 bucks in bonus bets. 200 Think of the possibilities. 200 You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. All you have to do is sign up with our code FSBETS. That is F-S-B-E-T-S. Not only do you get the bonuses, but it directly supports this podcast. We would love it. We appreciate any dime that we get is very appreciated out of this. Thank you so much. If you're considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure you use the code FSBETS to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. And you can find us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We're on all those platforms and YouTube and TikTok at the Jet Press. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, follow on TikTok. So you get the whole back catalog of episodes on YouTube. They're all right there. You get all our great little shorts on TikTok. Really pumping out the Jets content here. And now we are in our fifth week of doing so in the 2023 regular season. And for the first time in a while it is not doom and gloom and scared and oh god what is going to happen with zach wilson because for the first time in zach wilson's career he impressed us and said we didn't expect any of that out of zach wilson against the kansas city chiefs 28 of 39 245 yards two touchdowns and no interceptions and now he's going up against the denver defense that has allowed 70 points in the past and let justin fields look like dan marino so prime competition for Zach Wilson to go up against. Now, there, I'm a little concerned about it because for all the positives, just because I'm a Jets fan, there's got to be a negative. We'll start with the positives first. And as much as Zach Wilson improved, I mean, he just was more confident, number one, to throw to Conklin down the seam. Some of the tight throws he had to Lazard and Garrett Wilson, he wouldn't be making those in past weeks. But we finally saw Nathaniel Hackett act like a real offensive coordinator. Garrett Wilson's in the slot more, which is a sharp change from week one. He went from five slot snaps to 22. That's a huge change. We saw, even though Brees Hall didn't get a ton of carries, I thought he was used fairly well, and he had a big breakout run. I like seeing Alan Lazard as kind of a field stretcher. I believe he's been the leading receiver in like half the games this year. Alan Lazard's been a very good signing. We saw him get the ball out of Wilson's hands very quickly. A lot of good stuff from Nathaniel Hackett, who I thought was just honestly kind of a dope. I mean, he'll, he'll, he's forgotten more football than we'll ever know, so I don't want to say that, but he was coordinating in a dopey way because he didn't have Rodgers as the failsafe. His, his job was on the line, and I think in my opinion, they were going to fire him after the game, but his confidence, my confidence in his job, was totally on the line in that game. If he stunk it up, I'm like, there's this guy is a lost cause, and he proved me so wrong. Now, will he do it again, and will Zach Wilson execute what he wants to plan? That's a different story. 
Yeah, I, I think you know we talked about this on the on the the post game show, but this is the first time <clears throat> in Zach Wilson's career, really, with the Jets, that he has been fully uplifted by his supporting cast in a full, complete really good game plan and a really good game from his skill players. And honestly, a very encouraging game from the offensive line as well. The offensive line has made significant strides over the last two weeks since they made the changes since Dwayne Brown went on IR. They inserted Joe Tittman into the lineup. They moved Vera Tucker, the right tackle and Becked in the left tackle. We've seen a lot better performances out of that offensive line and it all just produced much better results. And that's like, I'm not surprised. I should say, I'm not shocked that Zach Wilson was better given his supporting cast. I can't say that I expected any of that, mostly because I didn't expect, like you mentioned, Nathaniel Hackett to suddenly just kind of flip the switch overnight. Like I, I, I emphasized this so much on the postgame show. Like I felt like I was watching a Kyle Shanahan offense. There was pre-snap movement. He made all of the, 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 the personnel changes that we wanted him to make. I mean, Dalvin Cook's still getting used, but he was used, still used as the third most frequent running back. Both Brees Hall and Michael Carter had more snaps. Jeremy Rucker went from playing one snap to playing I think it was 22 or something like that 23 he played more snaps than CJ Ozama and was basically tight end two we saw Xavier Gibson get involved Garrett Wilson was used in the slot pretty much everything we were asking for out of Nathaniel Hackett he did he actually went through and did and the results were were amazing were significant Zach Wilson's time to throw I tweeted out some stats uh, I think it was two days ago. Zach Wilson's time throwing that in that game was 2.73 seconds. That's his second lowest mark over the last two seasons. And that's partially him for making quick, decisive reads, but it's also partially Nathaniel Hackett. And I think largely Nathaniel Hackett and the entire offense for constructing a game plan that allowed him to do that. The offensive line for, for holding up as much as they did. I, I, it's a complete team effort. And we've seen the Jets talk about this a lot over the last you know, a few weeks. And it, it seemed like it's a tiresome trope. Yes, but it is true. Playing complimentary football. We saw that on Sunday. We saw that the entire offense played complimentary football. We saw that the defense and the offense played complimentary football together. It was really a, an entire team performance. Uh, and when you have the team playing well around Zach Wilson, He's shown in the past that he can at least be competent. I think the most encouraging thing is not only did he effectively manage Sunday's game, but he made at least two or three throws that you saw and you're like, dang, this is this is more than managing a game. Like He was actively helping his team win in a way that we haven't really seen a Jets quarterback do in a long time. So I, I mean, I, I remember that stat that came out. He's the first quarterback in Mahomes college or pro career yeah. to have more yards, more touchdowns, fewer interceptions and more completions. So every facet of the game. For that one night, but one night only, he was better than Patrick Mahomes. It's uh, it's one of the most, un- and I know it's it's seems like it's less unbelievable now. But if you went back and told me that on Saturday that was going to happen, that Zach Wilson would be the first quarterback ever to thoroughly outplay Patrick Mahomes in a way that no QB has ever done. I mean, I, I would. It's one of the most unbelievable sports facts. Given that before that, going into that game, and this cannot be emphasized enough, Zach Wilson was statistically one of the worst quarterbacks in modern NFL history. I've said that a lot, but it's true. I want to see how those numbers are skewed now. I bet they're they're at least slightly different because of that game. Because honestly, that one game was probably better than any game that guys like Josh Rosen, C.J. Beathard, uh, you know, R.I.P. Dwayne Haskins, guys in that like lowest tier. It's probably better than any of them ever played. Um, so it's just, it's incredibly encouraging. And I know, I know Mike, I know it's the jets and I know Zach Wilson has three other, you know, two and a half other years of tape, whatever, two years and four games, three games of tape saying that he's awful. I'm well aware of that, but I don't know, man, it feels, it feels a little different because I like, we've seen it now from Nathaniel Hackett. Like, I just, I don't think that. Zach Wilson has ever been uplifted in the way that he was in that game. And I think by far, it's not just Zach Wilson. Like the biggest difference was the offensive supporting cast. It was Nathaniel Hackett. It was the skill players. And as long as Hackett can call games like that and he doesn't regress, I think the Jets have a real chance to win some games this year. And I think Zach Wilson has a real chance to look pretty good. And he didn't really do it by reinventing the wheel. It was a lot of, you know, he wasn't doing these crazy four vertical insane passing concepts. It was Simple stuff, but not overly simple. Like I mentioned before in the Stack in the Box uh, show I did on Monday where I said I don't like how Carolina's handling Bryce Young's. I think they're babying him too much and there's too many bubble screens and too many quick checkdowns. And that's when you get too simple and then you can't threaten anybody. He finally found the perfect balance of threatening but not asking Wilson to – he wasn't doing a ton of full field stuff, I don't think. He wasn't like Peyton Manning at the line of scrimmage, but – it was enough down the field. It was enough getting the ball out quick. It was a perfect blend of both. 
But and and honestly, a lot of the we we talked about the personnel changes for a very long time. Ruckert and I know we wanted Hardman. They put in Gibson, and functionally, it's the same exact thing. We just wanted one of them in, and they put Gibson in the younger guy. But those aren't like wholesale philosophical changes. They're minor tweaks, and those minor tweaks worked wonderfully against the Chiefs' defense that only allowed three touchdowns in three games coming into that. I mean, that's that's tremendous. So that's the positive. That's the positive side. Because it's the Jets, there always has to be a flip side of that coin. There's always a two-faced coin, and the one side is burnt and scarred, and you got to go look at the other side. And honestly, maybe this is just me. I hadn't really heard people brought, bring this up after the game, I guess because of the euphoria of how Zach played and the fact they were even in it. But he throws that touchdown and gets the two-point conversion, and they get to 20-20, and it felt like the fun just stopped coming. And they had multiple chances, I think, to get more points in that game. They never did. The fumble obviously happened. Like, I know Wilson played great, but the fumble while trying to win a game still happened, and you can't necessarily ignore that that happened. You know, if if he had been normal Zach Wilson and they were in that game and he did that, he would have been getting killed. So you got you to gotta bring that up. And here's the thing I can't get out of the back of my head. Maybe this is just me being neurotic and me being a negative Jets fan, but it's even though Denver's got that defense, I'm looking at them, and I'm, I'm worried because, number one, Zach Wilson's never played this well. And that also means we never Zach Wilson's never played this well two times in a row. So if Denver just says, oh, this is what Nathaniel Hackett did, we'll take that away, we'll take that away, are we going to see the same Zach Wilson? I certainly hope not, but there's a part of me that just can't shake that. I don't know. I get it, and I, I that honestly, is that's my biggest disappointment from that game, obviously, because, hey, I would have liked to see the Jets have a chance to win, but I really wanted to see Zach Wilson get the ball back, and more specifically, the offense get the ball back, because – we haven't really seen, at least Nathaniel Nathaniel Hackett's offense, have to adapt in the way that they had to adapt against the Chiefs because the Chiefs came out kind of throwing everything at them. They were like, they didn't respect the passing game at all because why would they? They didn't respect Zach Wilson. They didn't respect Nathaniel Hackett as a play caller. They kind of just went all out. And that was, that's, you know, that's, that's Steve Spagnuolo for. They were blitzing him a lot. Then they kind of shifted a lot in the second half. They started playing a lot of two high safeties looks. Uh, and the Jets kind of struggled at first to, to adapt to that. I think on that last drive where they had the fumble, we started to see them adapt to it. I mean, they got two first downs. They were around midfield when the fumble happened. They were putting something together before the you know unfortunate fumble, which it's hard to really blame anybody. I mean, it's Zach Wilson's fault, but it's just one of those unfortunate things that happens. Patrick Mahomes dropped the snap in that game too, and he just happened to recover it. So it happens, unfortunately. Uh, but I, I, I think the Jets' offense was in a very unique and new situation for them where they had to adapt to a defense that wasn't going all out against them. Like the Chiefs started playing a little more conservatively on defense, which the Jets have not really seen in a while because no team has ever had to do that against them in recent memory. So I want to see how they adapt to Denver because I imagine Denver's defense, you know, they're going to kind of play it a little similarly. Similarly, I'm not scared of the Broncos pass rush. I mean, they just released Randy Gregory, not that he was having a particularly great season anyway, but there's nobody really in that front seven. And I'm like, this guy's a game wrecker. Like Nick Benito's fine. Like they got, they got some players who are fine, but nobody there that I think is going to take over the game. So I really do want to see how the Jets offense kind of adapts to what is likely going to be a more conservative defensive game plan. Um, and I think that is really going to be the test for Nathaniel Hackett because he's done it now. He put together a great game plan for, I mean, we could say three quarters. He, they barely got the ball in the fourth quarter. And honestly, they did have a couple of drives or a couple of first downs on that drive that he fumbled. Um, but I want to see Hackett do it again. Like I, I'm more so looking at it as like Nathaniel Hackett. I want to see what he can do. I want to see if he can put together two really good game plans in a row. And also I want to get to a comment here from Josh Kerr in chat because it's you know, relating to what we're talking about. He said, if this is what Wilson needed, I'm just confused as to how literally no other coach did this with him. It was like night and day. Do you guys think Zach Wilson could have two games like this in a row? Well, again, I mean, the second question is that's the million dollar question, right? Like can Zach Wilson continue to play? Well, we haven't seen him play this well once. We definitely haven't seen him play this well twice in a row. Uh, but as to why other coaches haven't done it, I mean, I'm not those coaches. I can't tell you why no one has called this specific game plan, but it's sometimes also they did and he just missed the throws and he just wasn't missing the throws in this game. It's also a lot harder than it seems. And also coaches can be very stubborn. Like I, we, me and Mike have been both been very complimentary of, of Michael floor, but he's a stubborn head. He's a stubborn offensive coordinator. He's a stubborn coach. He didn't really adapt his scheme at all to fit Zach Wilson's strengths. He didn't really adapt his play calling. And I, I think a lot of it was, he was handicapped by really bad quarterback play, but 
I, I think it's a lot harder to call a game plan like what the, the Jets did on Sunday than people think. Like the minor tweaks that we we're talking about aren't aren't as hard. Like I, I you know, playing Jeremy Ruckert more than one snap. I don't think that's particularly difficult to do. But specifically just how you mesh and how you complement all of your plays together. And I think the way you come out and attack, it's it's harder than you might think. Uh, and so that's why Nathaniel Hackett deserves a ton of praise for that because there's not a lot of like there's a there's not a lot of I guess you could say this there's not a lot of great coordinate offensive coordinators in the NFL there's not a lot of great offensive play callers that's for a reason because it's very hard to do consistently uh, it's like basically like a chess match it's it's basically like being really good at chess you're trying to outmaneuver your opponent every time. Um, so I can't necessarily speak to why no other coach has done it, but I'm very happy that Nathaniel Hackett called the game he did on Sunday, and I'm hoping he can do it again against against his former team in a revenge game. Well, I can tell you, I think why, because there was no pressure. And that sounds weird for a Sunday night game with Taylor Swift in the building against Patrick Mahomes, but no one even entertained for a, one iota of time that the Jets were ever going to not even win the, win the game, be in the game. And when he went down early on, there was totally a lot of effort. Let's try this. Effort. Let's try that. And I think Zach played like that. We're down seventeen nothing. I throw a pick. I throw a pick. Now, when the pressure got on, and it was twenty twenty, I know they didn't get the ball a ton, but then you start to see some drive stall out, and then Zach drops the ball, and totally different everything when they actually need to put the pedal to the metal. So that's why I can't totally erase that out of my mind about maybe it was a fluke or maybe they just got lucky playing free. And now there's going to be pressure on them in Denver in a must-win game. So, I mean, I'm hoping that Hackett can do it. It's just there's a lot of, of warning signs popping up that I hope don't come true. But uh, I'm glad, Justin, you brought up that point about stubborn coaches hmm. because Robert Sala, defensively, he can be stubborn. Uh, he's earned the right to be stubborn because his defense is really good. If he wants a guy in, I'm like, you what, fine. Pay Quincy Williams. He's proven to be good. Move your defensive line around however you want. There's been some pickups, but you know what? Generally, it's very good. You're a linebackers and defensive line guy. Like, I'll, I'll trust you on that, Robert Sala. Offensively, uh, he has no ability to really demand anything like that. And, I, and Dalvin Cook is right at the center of this week. Because I remember in the, in the Wednesday press conference, he comes out and he says, Dalvin Cook, not only is he playing better than people think, like you know the GPS scores say he's fast and all that, but he wants him to get more touches, not excommunicated and, and banned from the Northeast for the rest of his life and never allowed to wear a green jersey ever again. He wants a bigger role for Dalvin Cook. And I know where Salah's coming from on this, and I guess that's, I think, general, genuinely why Hackett didn't end up benching guys like Uzama or uh, Randall Cobb, even bench Randall Cobb, but he played him less. Why he didn't do that for a while is because I think the veterans, he always thinks the veterans are that close to breaking out. It worked before, why can't it work now? I know you can do it before, why can't you do it now? And I feel like there's a part of them that thinks they just give him more time, eventually Florida State and Minnesota Dalvin Cook's going to come up, and then what do you know? He's going to have a 50-yard touchdown run. Everybody's going to be singing Kumbaya together. And it's going to be sunshine and rainbows. And I think that also was part of what happened with Dwayne Brown, too. I think Robert Sala just trusts his veteran guys. Are you going to play? Yeah, okay. Okay, then Dwayne said he's going to play. And I like that I like that in general for certain things. But with things like this, when, it's, when Dalvin Cook, the second he gets on the field, immediately sucks all the joy – like a like a leech out of the offense the second he gets on the field that's where i draw a line i mean there were stats out there i believe the jets epa per play was like fifth or something like that when they had Brees hall and it's like dead last when dalvin cook comes on the field and you don't even need me to throw advanced stats at you i mean if you're a jets fan watching the game you can clearly see that uh, as dan golston says uh, i've never seen someone fail the eye test out of uh out of nowhere like dalvin has i mean dan can see it's it. not even out of nowhere it's not even out of nowhere that's the thing he didn't pass it last year well dan can well i mean he was better than this last year i mean certainly. yeah but he wasn't good like he but wasn't still good. much better than i mean no but you people even if they think dalvin cook would be bad did anybody see 2.5 yards of carry I don't think he was much better than this last year. Circumstances are just totally different. Like, he still was horrible in rushing yards over expected. His yards per carry, was, I mean, it was still 4.5, but it was way down. And if you take out a couple of his big runs, it's really – it's bad. It would be really bad. I – look, man, I, 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 want, I hate the narrative, 
that people are trying are starting to like throw out there that Dalvin Cook just fell off a cliff. No, he didn't. He was bad last year. And when older running backs, specifically, because it's not really age with running backs, it's mileage, right? Look at someone like Raheem Mostert, who's like 31, but he's a really young 31 because he's had barely any mileage. Cook was running to the ground at Florida State. He was running to the ground with the Vikings, and he was really explosive for a long time. But those carries, they 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 start to they start to to add up. And then last year, every metric showed that he had declined significantly. His tape, while not as bad as it is right now, wasn't nearly as explosive as previous Dalvin Cook. He was a step slow on a lot of runs last year. And if you take out a couple of those big, big carries where a lot of them were just kind of wide open running lanes, he had a significantly worse yards per carry. And I think if you just watch that tape and see all those analytics, it's rare that an older running back who has that much mileage has a really bad year with, with analytics and has, has not great tape and just suddenly gets better. Like, that just doesn't happen. So I don't think it came out of nowhere. Like, he's worse now than he was last year. But I also think that's a predictable trend. Like, if he was bad last year and he's an older aging running back, wouldn't it make sense for him to get even worse? And also, he's never been, like, his his biggest, biggest strength has always been his explosiveness. He is a home run hitter. That's who Dalvin Cook has always been. I mean, he's he can run through contact, sure, as well, but he's a home run hitter running back. That's what he is. He's always had drop issues. He's had fumble issues. So if you take away that explosive, which it definitely diminished a lot last year he's really ineffective and i think now he's lost pretty much all of that explosiveness so i don't think it's i don't think it's come out of nowhere uh, and i just wanted to i want to say that um also on on the sala thing i'm gonna i'm gonna push back on this as well because if i've learned anything with robert sala is that i don't trust the thing that he says I know today he came out and said that uh, they want to get Dalvin Cook a little more, you know, that they, they think he's he's getting better and that they want to get him and Brace Hall more touches is what he said. I don't believe them. I, I just don't believe a word he's saying. Dalvin Cook's snaps have gone down every single week. He played his fewest snaps of the year last week. I think at this point, I'm going to say, oh, I said this on Twitter too, over under week eight that he's inactive, that he's a healthy scratch. I, I genuinely James Robinson him and get rid of him? Yes, I, I fully believe they will James Robinson him. He doesn't play specials. He's offering no value on offense. I found that EPA stat that you were talking about, by the way. With Brees Hall in the field, the Jets are a 10th in offensive EPA, which considering their quarterback situation is unreal that they rank that high with Brees Hall on the, on the field, given what they've had a quarterback this season. With Dalvin Cook, they rank 32nd by a mile, by a mile, not even close to the next worst team. Uh, so yeah, Dalvin Cook should not be anywhere near the field. If it was me... I'd bench him already, and I'd give Izzy Vanacana some snaps. I'd give Michael Carter some snaps, even though I don't believe Michael Carter is a particularly good RB2. I think he is a good uh, pass blocker, a willing pass blocker for his size. If he was a couple inches taller, I think he'd be even better. Uh, He's a fine third down back. I know he had that drop, but he's a fine third down back. They really don't have a good RB2, and that sucks. So what do you do? You should just give Brees like 70% of carries. <laughs> That's really how they should run their offense. Make Dalvin inactive. Get Izzy in there for a couple of snaps if they want. Play him on specials, specials if they think he could play there. Michael Carter's your third down back. That's that's how I would Especially run the because they said Brees isn't on a pitch count anymore, and he's correct. He's not fully a, healthy. He's not on a pitch count anymore, which means if he gets six carries again this week, and I know I'm praising Nathaniel Hackett a lot, but if Brees Hall gets six carries this week against Denver's defense, we're gonna have some issues. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to to not calling him Nathaniel Shanahan again. I'm gonna have some issues with Nathaniel Hackett if he starts doing that again. So. I'm fine benching Dalvin Cook at this point. He doesn't need to be on the field. He's mad. Yeah. It, it actually blew my mind that Carter got more snaps than Cook because, I mean, when Carter's on the field, they don't force him the ball. I feel like whenever Cook gets on the field, they, they're trying to get him the ball all the time. And, I mean, take the Chiefs game out of it. I mean, there was some of that in the Chiefs game. But I mean, look at some of the other games, especially New England – really stood out Dallas stood out like they're moving the ball they're moving the ball they get to like the 50 yard line and they go all right Dalvin comes in he he does this weird little jitter in place thing that when he was younger people would respect because he had so much speed and so much elusiveness now they're like all right you're not running by me old man and they just hit him and then a drive stalls it's like they, they're not it's eight million dollars is a lot of money but they're not obligated to keep giving him the ball if he's playing this poorly. I get that he's had he's had a fantastic career. He's done a lot in this league. You don't have to keep forcing him the ball. Now and, and again, I know the thing, well, he's one play away. He's one play away. I remember someone was comparing him to, you know, a basketball. If he just sees the ball go in the hoop once, a shooter from three-point range. If that goes in, then he kind of it gets into his mind and he kind of gets hot. I could see maybe if Dalvin Cook gets a big playoff. Maybe something will happen like that. But I'm not going to let the Jets' offense just collapse and try to figure out if I'm right in that or not. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, at a certain point, you got to say enough's enough. I mean, they did it with Uzama. They did it with uh, with Randall Cobb, even though we still got in a little bit. Like they did, with Al Woods. they did it with Al Woods on defense. They did it with Al Woods on defense. Like, what is it about Dalvin? Is it just the name and the brand? Like, even in chat, I'm seeing uh, Alan Jerkins. I can get, I could see Brees getting more touches, but not Cook. Like, I think yeah. I agree with that. Robert Stauffer, Dalvin Cook has no spot in the Jets. They did not need him. Well, I at the time it made sense because I thought they needed one more big playmaker. And Dalvin Cook, it, we didn't know Aaron Rodgers would get hurt, obviously. That would obviously help a running game if you have the threat of Aaron Rodgers. And I think that even, even you could have not liked Dalvin Cook. You could have seen the decline. 2.5 yards a carry. That's that's absurd. And uh, as, as Brian points out, too, Denver is allows an average 176 rushing yards a game. So, honestly, maybe that might be why they're going to give Cook some stuff because they might go – if they, he doesn't get anything against Denver, who has a terrible front seven compared to the rest of the league and has given up 100 points in the last two games to Miami and Chicago, they're like, all right, if he can't break one against him, he's not going to break it against anybody. He's not going to do it against Philly, certainly – He's not going to do it against Dexter Lawrence and the Giants. He's not going to do it against Khalil Mack and the Chargers. This might be Dalvin Cook's last chance. Now, if you want to give him a couple carries early on just to see if he's got it, honestly, maybe, fine. Don't keep splitting carries with Brees and don't keep taking touches away from guys like Garrett Wilson or even Alan Lazard just to figure out if maybe Dalvin Cook can be good. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If it's me, this is the week I release Izzy or I, I unleash Izzy Abanacanda because I think this Broncos defense is perfectly susceptible to it. I just looked it up. They have PFF's lowest tackle grade and they lead the league in missed tackles with 58 missed tackles through through four weeks. 58 missed tackles through four weeks. Why not give Izzy Abanacanda a shot to see if he could break one? Because this is the defense to do it against. Dalvin, I mean, not that it's amazing to even say this about Dalvin Cook, but he's really a grinder at this stage of his career. Like he's a grinding running back, which, which is, is weird because he's never. A- He's never been a big like the aging running backs. If if you're a Derrick Henry or an Adrian Peterson, you got the bodies to sustain it. Like that can help you into Mm -hmm. your 30s. Frank Gore had was as legs were like bigger than my waist. He had these tree trunk legs. Like Dalvin Cook doesn't have that. He doesn't. And that's why it's so weird to say that. But that's really all he is because he doesn't have that home run speed anymore. He doesn't have that explosiveness. He doesn't have the ability to hit the hole and then he's gone. Izzy Abanacanda does. Brees Hall does. So I would love to be for this to be the week that they give Izzy Abanacanda a shot. Like, I hate being like the guy that's like, oh, I was I was right about the Dalvin Cook thing. I was right about it. But like, man, like and I didn't think I didn't think he'd be this bad. I agree with you, Mike. I didn't think he'd be the worst running back in football, which you can argue he is because I got some stats for you here because. Uh, we got Brees Hall leads the league in yards per carry. Dalvin Cook dead last among qualifiers in yards per carry. Uh, like we it's, got, it's not like Brees is at 4.5 and Cook's at no. 4.0. Like you can't talking, get two guys performing more differently right we're now. Talking That's what's confusing. We're talking 6.5 yards per carry and 2.5 yards per carry. Literally best and worst in the NFL. Dalvin Cook ranks second to last in rushing yards over uh, rushing yards over expected per attempt. The only guy who's been worse is Cam Akers, and I think we can all agree that Cam Akers is not a particularly good running back. And he just got cut loose by the team he was on. Correct. He's not good. Brees Hall ranks second behind only Devon A. Chain, who has just gone apeshit the last two weeks. So it's like like that. That's Brees, Brees Hall. And it's like a decent drop between A. Chain to Hall and then Hall to the next guy after that in yards after contact per attempt. Hall is first by a mile. He's at 6.16 yards per contact or yards after contact per attempt. The next highest is four, 4.04. Dalvin Cook is third worst at two. 
Uh, PFF has a rate, a stat called elusiveness rating. Once again, Brees Hall first in that. Dalvin Cook, 32nd out of 35. Every statistic, every analytic Who's, who's one less of elusive than Dalvin Cook this year? I think Ramondre Stevenson, which was shocking. But he's he has had a bad year, Stevenson. He's also uh, a big guy who can run you over. Cook can't, so I mean. <laughs> I think it was Stevenson. I forget who else was down there. But Stevenson, I believe, was. Probably Zeke, for being honest. <laughs> See, weirdly, Zeke has looked. And I, I hate this as a Ramondre Stevenson stand and a fantasy owner. But Zeke has maybe looked better than Stevenson this year, which is really weird. And I didn't expect to say that. Uh, but... Yeah, this would be the week that I unleash Izzy Abanacanda because Cook's just Cook's, Cook's not it, man. He's not. And I don't believe when Salah comes out there and says they want to give him and Hall more touches, I don't believe that at all. Uh, actions speak louder than words. They were they were willing to make the move with Al Woods. Now, I think some of that was game plan, and I think that was like, hey, the Chiefs are probably going to air it out. We don't need to worry about the run as much. Uh, but they've shown that they're willing to make those changes and, and play veterans less and bench them. I think we're not far away from seeing Dalvin Cook be benched. I would love if it happened this week. I wouldn't be stunned if it happened this week. I wouldn't be. I'd be like, yes, that's the correct call. I'm glad they did it. But I think we're at the very worst, unless things improve quickly, uh, which I cannot imagine they will, we're a couple weeks away from him probably being a healthy scratch, which for the best. Alan Jerkins, uh, what do we know about Israel Abanacanda? I mean, watching him at Pitt, Matt. he's a rookie out of Pitt, he reminded me a little bit. I don't think he'll be this good career-wise, but like Florida State rookie year Vikings cook. Because it, it's weird because he's actually a bigger back. I think he's listed at like 215. He really doesn't run right th- like that. He runs like a 190-pound, quick little scat back kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So it's a really intriguing combination of size and power. And he had 20 touchdowns, I believe, his last year at Pitt. Now, granted, I think 10 of them came in two games against uh, Virginia Tech when he had six and Rhode Island when he had four. But 20, 20 touchdowns is 20 touchdowns. They count all the same. And I'm excited to really see him on the field. I thought he was a steal. I had like an early fourth-round grade on him. I really liked Israel Abanacanda in college. He goes down a little bit too easy on contact, but he's a rookie. He's still maturing physically. And you know what? At least I've, I've seen him in the preseason too. He had a couple nice moves. He had that one spin move. Yeah. He ended up scoring a touchdown on it. Like there's something there. Dalvin Cook, there's nothing there. It's just he's an NPC at this point. There's no point in giving – Dalvin Cook really any chances because I, I get it. ostensibly they're trying to win this is not experiment figure what works and what doesn't work time that, t- that ship has sailed now it's all about we need to maximize Zach Wilson we can't afford any any more tomfoolery or nudnickery or any other verb that you want to use never heard that one yeah, it means like dumb, per- dumb people. So I, I've heard of Tom Foolery. I never heard of the second one you said. <laughs> yeah, it's an old time, a little old timey. But uh... <laughs> I, I love the description, and I, Alan Jenkins and or Alan Jerkins in chat also loves it. I love the description of NBC, NPC for Dalvin Cook because he really is like. And this is why I say the Amanda Cannon thing because I don't think Izzy Amanda Cannon is going to come in and be Brees Hall. I don't I obviously don't expect that. Like you said, there's still some contact balance things with him. He had issues with drops and fumbles. I know in the summer we didn't really see it much in the preseason, but it was definitely an issue based and reports coming out of training camp. So that would be a concern of mine about giving him a lot of carries. But guess who also has fumbles and drop issues? Dalvin Cook. He leads the league in fumbles over the last four years. So it's not like you're going to bring in Izzy Abanacanda and I'm going to be like concerned about him fumbling more than I am Dalvin Cook because Cook also has that issue. He fumbled earlier this year in a really bad spot. So I just, I don't see the harm. I don't see the reason not to do it. I know that they're they're like, oh yeah, he missed a lot of the summer. He's still recovering from the shoulder injury. Sure, I get that. That doesn't excuse how bad he's been. But I, I honestly do believe that they will they will continue to phase him out and that he'll be a healthy scratch before long. I don't care what Robert Sala says. I've learned not to believe a thing he said. Today he said that DJ Reed is probably going to play on Sunday despite having a concussion. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that for one second that DJ Reed is playing on Sunday. Uh, and the fact that, like, that, I mean, that's just what it is at this point. The Dwayne Brown thing was kind of like the the – that was like the, the jump the shark for me. I was like, all right, once that happened, I'm like, all right, he's just, it's all gamesmanship. He's not saying anything he actually means. Whatever. Actions speak louder than words. If come Sunday, Dalvin Cook gets 30 carries, I'll be, re- 30 carries, even 10 carries. I'll be Dalvin re- Cook gets 30 carries. So I don't know what I would do with myself. If he gets 30 carries, something went insanely wrong. Or right. I I guess I have no idea how that even because they get another something went wild if that happened. Uh, but even if he gets 10 carries, I'll be very upset. If he's a healthy scratch, I won't be stunned. I don't think they'll do it yet, but I, I wouldn't be stunned. So Dalvin Cook has been surprisingly bad. Let's flip the script. Mm. Let's look at some surprisingly good players. 
that the Jets have had this year because there have been some amid a season that is not gone according to plan. I think that's fair to say at this point, considering who the quarterback is. But looking at this roster, I'm taking a look at the offensive line, and I'm looking at Joe Tipman. He's mm-hmm. only played two games, but he certainly qualifies. Like People underestimate how hard it is in the NFL to switch positions. Even center to guard, left tackle to right tackle – it's a whole different set of footwork, a whole different set of protections. You got to learn a whole different way to gesticulate your body and get it to move. You can't just go do it. It's not that easy. And Madden, it's easy. Real life, it's not easy. So Joe Tipman, in his first two games, he was a center in college at Wisconsin. He's playing out of position against Bill Belichick and then Chris Jones. And my God, if he didn't play terrific, I still don't think he's a lot of pressure and pass protection. He played Chris Jones so well that they had to move Chris Jones a little more outside to go take on Makai Becton. That's a lot of respect for a rookie. And we expected this, you know, second round pick, top 50 pick come from Wisconsin, which has a great tradition of offensive linemen, especially on the interior. But to come off the bench after doubts about this guy would even play immediately have to be so thrilled with what we've seen out of Joe Tittman. Yeah, I mean, he's come in and you could argue he's been their best offensive lineman in the last two weeks. And the fact that you can even make that argument is is wild. He was PFF's highest graded offensive lineman on the Jets last week. He has been their highest graded run blocker in each of the two weeks. He's only allowed one pressure, which was a hurry. It wasn't even a hit or a sack. He's allowed one pressure in both of his starts. He's the highest graded rookie offensive lineman, I believe. I mean, he's been everything that that you could have asked for and more and it's wild that like a month ago or i guess a little over a month ago at this time we were having conversations about oh man he's not going to play like there were people calling him a bust already and and saying like oh i should have drafted john michael schmitz i mean yeah, yeah how's john michael schmitz looking on that awesome giants offensive line by the way now, now he's hurt too and now he's he's hurt so oh he is oh shit now yeah. i feel bad no, but I mean, I don't think he was doing particularly great. No one in that Giants offensive line was doing particularly good before that, but now he, now he's hurt. Uh, Evan Neal got picked over Garrett Wilson, by the way. Shout out. What has happened? I know it's such a such a tangent, but what has happened to Evan Neal? That's a stunner. It's me. like D. It's he's D. Milliner. He's the one guy at his position from Alabama who picked that high who doesn't play well. I, I mean, I think part of it is so is so much situation and coaching. Like he's in an awful situation. His line around him is terrible. But like, man, is he? And, and, and it, maybe it's a Zach Wilson thing where it just kind of snowballs and like yeah. you give up one pressure and everything gets worse and you're in your like. I think that's part of it too. Like when he, when someone's messing up that catastrophically, I'm like, all right, it's got to be mm-hmm. meant. But anyway, yeah, he he's been bad. One player who has absolutely not been bad, and I'm so excited to talk about this player that he's having his breakout season finally. You know who I'm going to mention? It's Quincy Williams because Quincy Williams has legitimately been one of the best players on this Jets roster through four weeks. I mean, he, he's been outstanding. He's playing at a legitimate all-pro level right now. I'm not, I'm not just saying that. He led all blo- linebackers in run stops this past week. He is second amongst linebackers behind only Bobby Wagner in run stops, and he just also, also happens to be PFF's highest-graded coverage linebacker. So he's been great in run defense. He's been stellar in coverage. He's He's been everything the Jets always thought he could be, but he had never put it together until now, and we're finally seeing it. And by far, I think the biggest thing that he's fixed is his tackling, because that has always been an issue for him he's only missed three tackles all year two of them just came against the chiefs before that he had missed one tackle this season compare that to to last year he missed 17 tackles he missed 14 percent of his tackle attempts last year he's only missed seven percent he's cut it in half (laughs) this season he's been phenomenal he's been obviously he's always had the athleticism and the burst to be as great as he is in coverage uh but he's never really been able to put it together it's kind of been a mental thing with him it's been an instinctual thing he's finally He's finally there, man. Like, he's finally there. He's playing like one of the best players on this defense. I'm not going to say that he's their Fred Warner yet, but he's playing like an elite linebacker. That's what he is right now. It's only four weeks into the season. I want to see if he can continue to do it. But everything that I've seen so far is showing me that he has finally taken that step. And if that if, if that's the case, because we're going into the year, the two positions on defense where we're like, mm, we're a little we're a little thin at, you know, we're, we're talking about the Jets might have a weakness with safety and linebacker right now. They are not weak at linebackers. CJ Mosley is still an above average starter for all of his, his, you know, I think miscues at times. He's a, he's a super important defensive leader. Uh, obviously he was second team all pro last year. He can't be terrible. Now, I don't think he was an all pro caliber linebacker last year, but he's still a very good player. And now Quincy Williams is playing like one of the best linebackers in football. So I think the jets have two really good linebackers and, I don't know. I mean, we, we talked about that deal that they gave Quincy Williams in the off season. And some people called it an overpay right now. That's looking like one of the biggest deals of the off season. 
Uh, it's me. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that I thought that was it. Hey, Quinn, and we'll give your brother over market value if you sign with us, kind of thing. But I don't you like shut it. me up. Uh, Alan in chat, who uh, by the way, nice profile pic of I believe it's like a chocolate lab. Always been a lab guy. Oh, so. nice dog there. Uh, would Whitehead qualify? No interception since the Bills game, but I kind. I mean, he's been better than last year. I don't know about. I, he he yeah. had I believe he had four missed tackles against the Chiefs. Yeah, it was, so that was a he's bad. Been, amazing bad very good bad it's yeah up and down with he's better than last year though where he was mostly bad so yeah I, it's it was, improvement but just not a ton the last game was definitely his worst game he was he was obviously it was amazing in week one uh i think he's kind of been eh after that and then was bad last week but sure i mean the, the week one was amazing week one was one of the best single game defensive performances by a jets player in recent memory in e- ever yeah, ever, ever. He had three interceptions in one game, which is it's crazy. And I think surprising for you had to be Alan Lazard. I mean, I, I agree. Because you, you, I remember, were not very big on the Alan Lazard at wide receiver two. You liked him at three. You didn't like him at two. He's been the two, and his numbers may not look amazing because, again, there's the Zach Wilson tax instead mm-hmm. of the, you know, having Aaron Rodgers there. But just imagine his numbers. Imagine his numbers if Rodgers was playing because we've seen Lazard make some – tremendous tremendous catches i mean that yeah. everybody talks about the wilson going deep throw that was not a very good throw it was an under throw and all six four two twenty seven of lazard rises up makes the play i know wilson had that tight throw in the in the end zone where he ended up catching it but the fact that he even had that much confidence in al lazard i think speaks to what he's been doing this year he's been blocking his butt off on runs i think that was one of the big reasons they paid for him and it's a real shame because Garrett Wilson and him are both having fantastic years and they won't get the love from the rest of the league because the numbers, just the raw box score numbers aren't good. But in terms of just how he's playing as a wide receiver, I'm looking at Alan Lazar and this is probably his best year in the league. I think so. But if he keeps this up, I think just his tape will be as good or better than any of the green Bay seasons. I agree. Those two catches, the, the two catches that he made in this past game, you know, you know, the two I'm talking about one, you know, the deep ball and then that touchdown were two of the best plays that I've ever seen him make. Maybe the two best plays I've ever seen him make. Uh, I didn't love his tape at Green Bay. I, I think that he struggles to separate. And obviously he's had significant drop issues throughout his career. I'm still not sold on him as being a good wide receiver too, but I've been thoroughly impressed and definitely he's definitely exceeded my expectations so far this season. And, you know, going into last week, I would have been like, yeah, he's still fine. Last week was like this past Sunday was a phenomenal performance. This was one of the best games he's ever had. So if he can do even remotely close to that for the remainder of the season, I think I think they do have. A, I think he is a wide receiver too. I think you could say that. I still would very much like the Jets to have added a another playmaker. You know, we talked about that all off season, whether it was DeAndre Hopkins or Jackson Smith and Jigba, whoever. I would have loved for them to do that. But Lazard has exceeded expectations for me. I, I would be remiss if I didn't give another shout out to another defensive player who I think is absolutely tearing it up this year. And people shouldn't be shocked. People shouldn't be stunned that this is happening because he's been great, but he's finally being given a little bit more of a role and he should be given even more of a role. We're talking about Bryce Huff because Bryce Huff has once again been one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm going to say it. And I believe this Bryce Huff is the best defensive end on this roster. And I love John Franklin Myers. I think he's a really good player and very underrated. Bryce Huff is the most complete, most effective, most impactful defensive end on this Jets roster, and they should play him as such. Jermaine Johnson, cool, man. Like, I know he was a first-round pick. He had a great summer. He's been very underwhelming through four weeks. Very underwhelming. He's still fine against the run. He's a good run defender. He's been a bad pass rusher. He's been he's rated out as one of the least efficient pass rushers in the NFL. Give Bryce Huff those snaps, man, because he's proven that not only is he an elite pass rusher, but he could handle playing those first and second down, those first and second down plays, which Robert Sala talked about today. And again, I'm not going to believe everything he says. I'm just going to wait for them to prove it. But they did sort of prove it this past week. I'm pretty sure. What was it? 39 percent of snaps or something he played. This past I believe week. what he says about the defense, the offense. It seems like it's the exact opposite. Yeah, he played defensively. 39%. He knows what's up and he knows kind of what he wants. Offense is a bunch of crap, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, that's fair. Uh, he played 39% of snaps this week, which I actually think that might be a career high. Hold on. No, so early in his career in, in 2021, he was playing. So for the last two years, that's a career high for him. I got some Bryce Huff stats that I tweeted out. If you don't follow Jeff Press on Twitter, you're going to hear them for the first time now. Uh, some of them are pretty ridiculous. So in this past game against the Chiefs, 
He had seven pressures in this game, which was, I believe, a career high for him. He only had 18 pass rush snaps, and he had seven pressures on those 18 snaps, meaning he had a 39% pressure rate, uh, which is pretty ridiculous. Like, that, that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, some more Bryce Hub numbers. Let me scroll up through my timeline and find them. Uh, he's registering a pressure. So his pressure rate right now is 26.9. That is his pressure rate through four weeks. Only one guy is higher, and that's Rashawn Gary, who has also not played a ton of snaps, uh, and he's having an outstanding season. Uh, also, John Franklin Myers ranked sixth in pressure rate, so he's also having a very good season. Their PFF has a stat they call pass rush productivity, which is basically a formula that combines sacks, hits, and hurries, and they take it relative to the amount of times that a player rushes the passer. It's basically just meant to determine how impactful a player is at rushing the passer. You want to know the three leaders in that category, Mike? 14.8, that's like the number they have for it. Micah Parsons leads the NFL to 14.8 pass rush productivity. Tied for second, Miles Garrett and Bryce Huff. <laughs> That's your top three pass rushers per PFF right now, essentially, is Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, and Bryce Huff. The guy needs to play more than 25 snaps a game. I know that they just increased it, and he played, what, 27 last week? He needs to play more. Like, he, he needs to play more. And I'm glad that Nick and Chad is saying that, pay Huff now, because the Jets, I think, have made their, their plan for the defensive end position pretty apparent over the last two years. They drafted Jermaine Johnson in the first round. They drafted Will McDonald in the first round. They've clearly been planning and preparing to move on from Carl Lawson, and I fully believe that they've been preparing to move on from Bryce Huff as well. They can't do that. They, they, they cannot do that. Bryce Huff is the best defense on this roster. He is one of the best defensive players on a, a loaded defense. I don't want him to become the next Shaquille Barrett, Mike, because that's what he's going to be. An undrafted guy who is a role player in Denver, who who never really got a chance to be the guy. Then he got signed and became and, and paid and, and, and got played as a superstar, and he played like a superstar. Bryce Huff is on that trajectory, and if the Jets let him walk, I very much believe he'll be that same, same type of player. So now we're going to move into our last segment, which is going to be taking a look at the Jets-Broncos game. But, Justin, before that – before we get into all the Jets Broncos stuff, has a message from our friends over at DraftKings. I do. And you know what that message says, Mike, as I stall to pull it up? Here we go. I'll tell you what that message says. Hey, Jets fans, DraftKings is running a new promotion that you won't want to miss. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. All you have to do is sign up with our code FSBETS. Using our code FSBETS, that's F-S-B-E-T-S. It is on the screen for YouTube viewers. Uh, not only gets you these great bonuses, but it also directly supports our podcast. If you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code FSBETS to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Honestly, that is a great deal, and you guys should do that, and it would really much, really help us out if you do. So that would be much appreciated. Also, before we get into the last segment, um, for those who missed it, last week I did an interview with, with Jets Hall of Famer Joe Klecko that is up on our site. Uh, Joe is awesome, obviously, for anybody who has ever seen him do interviews. He's a fun guy, great dude, uh, and definitely recommend checking it out because we had some comments about Zach Wilson, obviously, before the Chiefs game. Uh, he talked about Joe Namath's comments, talked about making the Hall of Fame, talked about he named two players on the Jets roster, not talking Aaron Rodgers, you know, younger guys, that he believes are future Hall of Famers. So you don't want to miss that. Check that out. But, Mike, it's time to talk Broncos. And it's time to talk Broncos, and I'm actually a little bit worried about the Broncos, specifically the Broncos' offense, because look at the two teams that the Jets have played well against defensive, uh, played well against this year in totality, and have really impacted the quarterbacks a lot. Buffalo and Kansas City, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, number two, number one in the league, Allen and Mahomes in that order. Big arm guys who want to rip it and throw for 400 yards every game. This Jets team can frustrate them because they can't go over the top. It's got to be patient and take what they, we give you and sustain long drives. And sometimes they get a little antsy like Mahomes did, and they try all sorts of crazy throws to try to get big yardage, and that's where they get you, and that's where they get the interceptions. If you look at Dallas and Dak Prescott, it was like, fine, we'll take that. We'll, we'll take six yards every play. We'll just march down and get a touchdown. Even New England, because they had some missed field goals and some other bad execution. Mac Jones didn't have a great stat line, but he made a couple throws to keep drives going, I and mean, maybe the kicker missed the kick or some other weirdness happened that prevented them from scoring, but they did not shut down Mac Jones. I mean, Dallas shut down Mac Jones. The Jets did it. And that's why I'm a little bit afraid of Denver because Sean Payton 
we've all had our criticisms of Sean Payton. I've called him skinny Mike McCarthy because he had Drew Brees for all those years and he only got to one Super Bowl in an NFC that was pretty open for a lot of it. It's kind of disappointing, but the reason that Drew Brees kind of had the career he did and the reason that he was completing 74% of his passes at age like 41 when his arm was shot is because Sean Payton's offense, as much as anybody in the league, is get the ball out quick, short passes, long drives, high completion percentage. That's how he rolls, especially now that his offensive coordinator is Joe Lombardi, who you might remember for being awful with the Chargers last year and only having a job because he's Vince Lombardi's grandson and being another nepotism case like Brian Schottenheimer and Nathaniel Hackett most of the time. Like Frank Steratore. Like Frank Steratore, the referee. Yeah, there's a lot of the good old boys floating around the NFL, but Lombardi's one of them, and he's basically doing what Sean Payne tells him to do, and that's get the ball out quick and keep the completion percentage high and keep the ball moving. For as bad as Denver has been this year defensively, Russell Wilson is not playing that badly. I would even wager say he's playing very well. Russell Wilson this year, 67% completion, 7.7 yards per attempt, which is his highest since his last year in Seattle, 1,014 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, and a passer rating of 106.7, which would be the third highest rate in his career. They're letting Russ cook a little bit. And he's playing pretty well. There's less of the, the the deep moon ball Russell Wilson stuff because every offense that he's in just kind of becomes the Russell Wilson offense at some point. Like every team he's on seems to have O-line problems because Russell Wilson holds the ball a lot. But Sean Payton, I think, has done a good job of working with him this year. So the Jets just can't go in there expecting a blowout because this offense, I think, is equipped pretty well to match up with this defense. I agree. And I also want to point out that for as bad as the Broncos defense has been this year, they've been incredibly banged up. Like they've had a lot of injuries there. Justin Simmons has missed time. Josie Jewell, Frank Clark, Mike Purcell. They've had a lot of injuries. And by the looks of it, some of those guys can be back this week. I'm pretty sure Simmons and Jewell should both be back this week. Uh, and that's obviously huge. Justin Simmons is one of the best safeties in football. Josie Joel is a pretty good linebacker. So they will have some reinforcements. And I know that their defense is awful. I'm pretty sure. Didn't you say this? I forget if you said this last week or somebody told me they're on pace to be the worst defense in NFL history in terms of EPA. Was that was that you that said that? Yeah, behind the 08 Lions. 2008 Lions are the record now. Yeah, which and again, some of that is skewed because they gave up 70 yards and or 70 points and like 750 yards against the Dolphins. Obviously, some of that's skewed, uh, but they've been bad. They have had injuries, though, and I don't think the Broncos are going to be a cakewalk by any means. I think the Jets are going to be incredibly motivated this week because of all the, the comments in the offseason that Sean Payton made. I don't believe that the Jets have forgotten that. And I also love that Nathaniel Hackett is coming off his best game with the Jets because now I'm actually encouraged. I want to see Nathaniel Hackett go out there on Sunday and just call an absolute masterclass against this Broncos defense, embarrass them, like genuinely embarrass them. Uh, but for people who think this is the same Broncos team as last year, it's definitely not because their offense is actually pretty good. It's their defense that has been awful. Russ has been cooking, and I don't think they're going to be an easy matchup for the Jets, especially if DJ Reed doesn't play, because the Broncos have some pretty good wide receivers. Like, they got Cortland Sutton. They got Jerry Judy. Marvin Mims has started to come along. Like They got some good players there. And I think if you don't have DJ Reed and Eccles, we already know, is out, you're starting Bryce Hall, probably. And so that's not like, look, I, I used to be captain of the, the Bryce Hall fan club, the, the Hall monitor. I loved it. He's been real bad. Like, he's just fallen off a cliff, and he's just not good. So if they have to start him, I have some concerns. I, I definitely have concerns about how his pass defense is going to hold up. I think they're going to have Tony Adams back this week. I don't know if that's a significant boost to the defense, but it's something having him back. You know, at the very least, I mean, Ashton Davis did have an interception this past week, but at the very least, you're probably not playing him on defense, that means. So the Jets should get him back, which is good, but Reed missing the game would be that'd be a pretty, pretty significant loss. And I think, like you said, this is a Broncos passing attack and offense that can they can chew up some yards. Like they can definitely chew up some yards specifically in a short intermediate game. So I don't think it's a walkover by any means. I do think, and I, I hate overusing this term, but I do think it's a game the Jets should win. And honestly, it's a must win because they cannot afford to go one and four going into an Eagles matchup. That is for as, for as much as the Eagles haven't looked like the Eagles of last year, they're undefeated. They're still one of the best teams in the NFL. They cannot afford to be one and four going into, going into their Philly, their, their Eagles matchup. This is a must win for the Jets. If there's a chance that they can get back to 500 by the bye week, which there is, they have to beat the Broncos to do that. So I don't think it's going to be a walkover, but I think going in, especially after what we just saw from the team on Sunday, you have to consider this a game that they should and absolutely must win. 
Here's what else concerns me about Denver, because I know the defense is terrible. Maybe Justin Simmons is the best player ever because he left and they gave up like 100 points in two games. So if he's because in the first week, they only gave up 17. So, I mean, maybe yeah. he's that. I mean, we know he's good. Maybe he's that good. I don't know. Here's the other problem. Who's the Jets best offensive skill position player? Oh, Garrett Wilson, of course. Garrett Wilson, who's the Broncos best defensive player. Pat Sertan, but he's had a bit of a shaky start to this year, by all accounts, I think. I'm pretty sure he's had a pretty shaky start to the season. Uh, uh, you know you know what's going to happen, though. You know what they're going to try to do. They're going to stick Pat Sertan, all 6'2", 205 pounds, with go-go gadget extendo arms on Garrett Wilson, which is concerning to me because it seemed for large portions of the game, it looked like Wilson was saying, all right, here's the read. If it's not there, just find Garrett Wilson. Nine catches for 60 yards. It seemed like, all right, he's not there. Wilson checked down. And it seems like in a lot of plays early on that Wilson was open and he missed him. I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity this game. I know Brian and Chad saying that Robbie Chosen, is that what he's calling himself this week, yep. uh, burned him twice. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, Sauce got burned by Stefan Diggs. When you're a cornerback, these things happen every now I'll, and again. I'll, I'll throw it out there. Pat Sertan, the last two weeks, PFF coverage grades of 47.8 and 51.8. He's allowed – Eight catches for 158 yards over the last two weeks. That's not great. I guess my, my retort would be, do you think he's going to play like that all year? No, obviously he's still great. Quarterback play is so volatile. We talked about this, or I think I've talked about this a lot. Uh, and you're seeing with Sauce Gardner this year. Sauce Gardner was the best cornerback in the NFL last year. I didn't expect him to be the best cornerback in the NFL two years in a row because that almost never happens. Because there's just, there's like an elite tier of guys where they kind of just take turns being the best. Like you got guys like Marshawn Lattimore, Jair, Jair Alexander, Pat Sertan, Sauce Gardner. Like there's a bunch of guys, in Jalen Ramsey. Like there's a bunch of dudes in that, in that top tier that kind of just all take turns Darius obviously yeah no Darius Slay thank you I don't want to leave him out Darius Slay I'd even put Bradbury close to that tier as well uh Trayvon Diggs was in that tier I think at the start of this season before he got hurt as well Stephon Gilmore has been in there recently in the past uh there's obviously there's a lot of great corners in the NFL but uh, Sertan has had a couple of rough games in a row I think honestly two of the like not to compare him to Sauce Gardner because Broncos fans will get in my case but I think his last two games at least statistically are probably worse than any game Sauce Gardner's had in his career I'll just throw that out there. Uh, that's, a, that's a for sure. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll throw that. 70. But obviously, he's still a phenomenal player, and they're going to do everything they can to, to to stop him. I don't know how does De- do you know if Denver's defense they let their corners follow? Because I actually don't know that. I, I'm not sure. I don't. May, I think if, they might honestly, even if they don't, they might switch it uh, up for t- number one because nothing right. is working. I don't think so because so, so Pat Sertan, at least I'll throw this out there. Pat Sertan through the first four weeks of the season has played three snaps in the slot. Garrett Wilson Ooh. has been playing a lot more in the slot. I need to watch some more Broncos tape before the game and I'll, I'll be able to actually know if they let first Pat Sertan follow guys. Cause I should know that. Uh, but he has not been playing in the slot at all. So I think if the jets want to have that mismatch, Play him in the slot more. Play Garrett Wilson in the slot more. Their nickel corner is Jaquan McMillan, who I don't know much about. Uh, I, I honestly don't know if he's good. I, I don't I don't know much about Jaquan McMillan. Uh, but I do know that Pat Sertan is great. And I know Damari Mathis is pretty good, their other corner. Uh, ooh, ooh, so, uh, not not Damari know? Mathis. Damari Mathis, he's not so good? I feel like Damari Mathis has like four times the holding penalties of every other player in the league. <laughs> is he really? I don't know. It feels like that. If you, last year, right? Go, go and Google Damari Mathis' name. I'm not finding a lot of... Oh, no. positive oh, no. he's, never mind. No, he's been bad. He's been really bad. Never mind. All right. Hey, there you go. <laughs> well, okay. I shouldn't be shocked that a guy in the Broncos defense has been bad this year because pretty much everybody's been bad. So I, I think that the Pat Sertan mismatch, I don't know. He might not be lined. Maybe he's lined up at Alan Lazard a lot. I do really want to see how that, how that shakes out because he's not been playing in the slot. Uh, and so if you want to get Garrett Wilson, those mismatches continue to play him in a slot like they've been doing the last few weeks. If you want to talk about mismatches, I know one mismatch. This, this is going to sound so weird considering I've talked about the Jets. But in the trenches, the Jets have a significant upgrade yeah. against Denver. And not to just sound like throwback, you run the ball guy, but really run the ball yes. in this game. I'm not and scared. I know that's going to be tough. I'm not scared of Denver's D-line at all. Their D-line stinks. Well, well, here's the problem, though, is they had their, their biggest success ever with Zach Wilson airing it out. Last week, or didn't he have like 30 something pass attempts and Brees Hall had like four carries or five carries at one point? I mean, that was last. I know he had, he was 20, I think he was 28 of 39, Wilson, or something like that. I, I think at one point he was, it was way out and then they started running oh, the yeah. ball a little bit more. I think the point being they found success when they just let Wilson let it rip. 
Mm. And it's going to be tough that like, do they want to reel him back in and have him play a little bit safer, which I don't necessarily think is good because they also got to get hall touches. It's a weird balancing act they got to take. So I'll plant my flag here. If they run the ball under 25 times, I think that's a mistake just because it's just taking advantage of, it's just taking advantage of where you have better players. And Brees Hall, we saw that last year he had the big run in Denver. I, that was right before he got hurt, right? He had a big run in Denver. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep and, he got so that, right and a lot of this defensive structure, I know the, the coordinator is different. Vance Joseph, I don't know how Vance Joseph got hired again after being a head coach in Denver and sucking. They must, they must really hate Vance Joseph. We, I have you like I can't think of another situation where a former head coach of a team has gone back to that team as a coordinator. That's so weird to me. Yeah, the, maybe there's probably one in like the 70s. I don't that's, know. The top I was talking to my friend about this the other day, and that's exactly what I said. I'm like, I'm sure it's happened somewhere way back, but it definitely ha- – I can't think of any time it's happened recently. It's weird. So, But get, getting off of that, like I need to see Brees Hall get a ton of cut touches. I want to see Michael Carter get a ton of touches. For as much as I crapped on Michael Carter in the offseason, so much so that I thought, you know what, just cut him and roll this before I knew Dalvin Cook would – run through molasses every single game and have the mobility of a 95 year old guy with a walker before I knew that would happen. I'm like, then you just roll with hall cook and a banacanda. I thought that was a legitimate possibility for a long period of time. He hasn't been setting the world on fire, but he's looked like rookie year, Michael Carter, which is what we wanted to see. Yes. Not second year, Michael Carter, who just never really seemed to get out of neutral. So I want to see a ton of carries up the middle. I want to see creative, run designs from Nathaniel Hackett. You're a running back guy, Nathaniel Hackett. That's your specialty. You did a lot of good work with Aaron Jones. Did a lot of good work with Leonard Fournette. That's your that's your specialty. I want to see some stuff. And don't tell me it's not possible because even teams without great quarterbacks, I've seen Atlanta especially, get very interesting with how they use guys like B. John Robinson. Mm. Watch some Falcons tape. Yes. He's Hall that way. Yeah, I don't watch Desmond Ritter tape. Don't do that to yourself. But watch the Falcons <laughs> tape. I had him QB1, man. What the hell happened? Is bad. Year. He's not good. Anyway. Well, at least Pickett's bad, too, so I'm not getting, like, shit for that either, so. I think it's prediction time, Mike. And I think D in chat is already getting us started here with a bold prediction. Zach should have five touchdowns this week. Oh, my god. Should. Goodness. Expected to have five he's, touchdowns. He's underselling it. I'm giving at least seven touchdowns for Zach Wilson. This uh, D, I'm about to ruin it. I was telling Justin this beforehand. Zach Wilson in his road career oh, has 12 yeah. games, and he has five touchdowns. But, but, and I remember what I said, Mike. Remember what I said? He's never had Nathaniel Shanahan calling plays for him, okay? Well, he has had Nathaniel Hackett before, and that didn't go well either. So I don't know which one's going to show up. He, five touchdowns, two in the Carolina game in his first start, one against uh, Buffalo in a meaningless game that didn't mean anything in the end of his rookie year, the Steelers game when he threw the touchdown to Corey Davis, and then the Garrett Wilson one against the Cowboys this year. Those are all the road touchdown passes in Zach Wilson's career. So let's double it. Let's double it this so week. We literally have never seen him play two really above average games in a row or play well on the road almost ever. Right. So th- th- these are a lot of obstacles they have to overcome. So what do you think, Mike? What are you thinking? What's the score? Who wins? What's your prediction? I'm going to say, and this is from a guy who's 4-0 on Jets picks this year. So Wow, look at you. Well, hey, you're 3-1. and one. It just, I picked the Jets to beat the Bills. You didn't. That's true. And then we just picked it against Wilson ever since. Wait, uh, I thought, oh, I picked him to beat the Patriots. Oh, you did? Oh, well, then there you go. I picked them to beat two the two there my defense, if almost any other quarterback played that game, they would have. Yeah, but they didn't. So we're, what good does that get? I know. I know. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to say Jets 24, Broncos 20. Yeah. Because Russell Wilson is going to – he's going to move the ball a little bit. He's They're going to get some points. It just It's going to happen because they're going to be patient and they're going to be willing to just take what they give them and get a long drive. That's how Sean Payton wants to play. I just have a tough time. See, I could see Zach Wilson playing bad. I really can. I could even maybe see them selling out to stop the run and Brees Hall playing poorly. I can't see both of them playing bad. I feel like one of them has to have a good game. Either either Zach Wilson's going to play like he did against Kansas City or Brees Hall is going to play like he did against the Packers last year. And I don't know which is which, but I feel like e- either one of them is going to be good enough to get the Jets a win here. All right. You know what I'm thinking, Mike? I'm thinking two-score Jets victory. I'm thinking 27-14 Jets 14, win. Man, you don't think highly of 
Because here's my prediction. I think the Jets are going to dominate time possession for the first time this season. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference between those score lines is that the Jets are actually a dominate time possession because they can do that if they actually feed Brees. And if what they're saying is true and he's not on a snap count and they unleash the Brees, then maybe, maybe the Jets can actually control time possession, make life very easy for Zach Wilson against a not very good defense. And if that happens, I can totally see them winning this game 27-14. So that's going to be my pick. Now that it's the Jets, you know, it's the Jets. We're fully unexpected, you know, fully expect the unexpected. And maybe they're going to lose. Oh, don't hedge your bets that way, man. Don't do that. I wouldn't be shocked if they lost by three scores because nothing shocks me with this team anymore. I mean, well, that's not true. Aaron Rodgers shocked me. Yeah, I I was just like bombed. But honestly, Zach Wilson's performance shocked me. That genuinely shocked me. Uh, but yeah, I, I think 27, 14, I think Brees goes off. I think this is his first full, like, I think they give him 60% of touches in this game maybe even more than that. Uh, and Zach Wilson plays well. I don't think Zach Wilson has as good of a game as he did against the chiefs, but I think he plays well, keeps him in the game and the ground game just leads the way. That's what I think is going to happen. Book it. That's it. 27, 14 jets win. When, when they lose 31 to six, come back here to. You, you know who to make fun of, where to come back on the post-game stream. You could point at Justin. So we'll but, be at least I was, that. but at least I was right about Dalvin Cook, even if I'm wrong about this. <laughs> Go, really going down with that ship, man. So <laughs> we will be live on Jet Press uh, right after the conclusion of Jets Broncos, and we'll be back Wednesday at 3 p.m. next Wednesday to talk about another public execution, allegedly, in, at the hands of the Philadelphia Eagles that's going to happen. So – Make sure you check in for both of that. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok. Jet, the Jet Press for both of them. Make sure you give us a subscription there. Take us home, Justin. Yes, sir. As always, thank you for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast, as Mike just mentioned. Also, shout out Overcast. I've stopped giving them shout outs. I'm going to shout them out again because I still don't really know what that platform is. <laughs> also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. We're on a TikTok as well. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and live immediately following every Jets game. So Sunday, as Mike mentioned, we'll be live after the Broncos game. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys next time. Let's hope the Zach Wilson renaissance is for real. you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything from t-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets. And of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days, like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use Staple 20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.